Hello and welcome to the Viva Albertos podcast. My name is Ben Humphrey. I'm the site manager for VivaAlbertos.com, a St. Louis Cardinals community where we uh, do a lot of discussing and analysis of the St. Louis Cardinals baseball team. It's Sunday evening, January 18th, 2015. Uh, there's tackle football being played if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, Aaron Finkel and I, uh, we aren't so much into tackle football, so we are discussing baseball on this actually kind of warm January evening uh, here in the upper Midwest, Aaron. Uh, thanks for joining me. How have you been? I, I've been really well. I've been uh, really enjoying this weather. Um, it's uh, these spring reprieves where it hits 50 when you can get them are, are, you know, they really help you get, get through it. Not that it's been that bad to get through yet, but January is uh, only, only half over and February is coming. Yeah, I took the afternoon off of work on Friday and I just went for a walk because – you know, I wasn't I had not seen the forecast and I wasn't sure how long this would last. But I was like, it's like 50 degrees in, Jan in the middle of January in Iowa and I'm going to go outside in the sun uh, with like a sweatshirt on because I can do that. <laughs> and uh, it was it was very nice. It was a, it was a nice warm up uh, before the winter warm up, um, which took place in St. Louis this weekend where. Uh, it's sort of a dog and pony show. They raise money for Cardinals care and and sell merchandise and autographs and those types of things. And it's sort of also uh, a cattle call of sorts. And they trot all of the players out and they do uh, Q and A's with the media. And so there were some tidbits uh, of information that came out during the winter warm up uh, that we're going to talk about here today. And one of those, uh, or two of those perhaps, but of the same substance, uh, came from owner Bill DeWitt and general manager John Moselock. Uh, the first to speak to the media was uh, Moselock. And uh, when asked about adding a big-name pitcher, and for those, of the, for those of us who have not been following uh, the media reports, Ken Rosenthal and John Morrissey of – or Morosi, I don't know how to pronounce his name, of Fox. I've only ever seen it written. I've never heard it pronounced. And I always pronounce it both ways when we do the podcast because I have no idea how to do it. I'll agree with whichever way you go. Okay. Well, the Fox reporters, how's that? Uh, they had an article that indicated the Cardinals had uh, made inquiries about acquiring uh, left-handers David Price and Cole Hamels via trade and that they had also – been in touch uh, with Team Scherzer, uh, presumably that would be Scott Boris, uh, the crown jewel of the free agent market. And on Saturday, when asked about whether or not the Cardinals uh, were still in the market for a big name starting pitcher, John Mosaylock bluntly said no, <laughs> and then indicated, <laughs> but there sure has been a lot written about it, a lot of speculation. He seemed uh, less than thrilled about these articles. Um, and it was a very uh, strong denial. Uh, Bill DeWitt did a press availability as well, and he indicated the Cardinals were not uh, close to adding a big-name starting pitcher, uh, which I found interesting uh, because Scott Boris has indicated that Max Scherzer, for example, will be an ownership decision. That's how big a contract Boris foresees uh, Scherzer signing. And uh, as we sit here and chat, Aaron, uh, in the Twitter sphere, uh, Adam Kilgore of the Washington Post is reporting that Scherzer and the Washington Nationals are nearing completion of a deal. And uh, the details of that deal uh, have not been revealed or that potential deal have not been revealed. But it seems as if the rumor that has really never been much more than speculation, in my opinion, uh, may finally die when Scherzer signs on the dotted line, apparently with the Nationals. Um, but that would still leave Cole Hamels out there. And uh, if Scherzer signs with the Washington Nationals, um, that would seem to foreclose the possibility of the Cardinals trading for David Price from the Tigers. So we would really be looking at Hamels, and uh, Jim Salisbury of CSN Philadelphia indicated uh, earlier this week that he did not think 
the Phillies would be able to trade Hamels this winter, and they may have to wait until the summer in order to extract the type of value they hope to get in return for trading Hamels. So it seems as if the window is closing, Aaron, on the Cardinals adding a top-tier starting pitcher this offseason. And, you know, I'm not really sure how close they ever were to doing so. Uh, What do you think about all this? Yeah, it's been a a really interesting few weeks. You know, there was the Lester rumors and then, you know, kind of denials of it. And then there was something came out that said the Cardinals wouldn't go over $120 million for him. So where did that come from? Um, I, I, I think that, you know, when we listen to John Mazalak, you know, bristle at the at the uh, reports that uh, the the Cardinals might have been, you know, in the market. Um, you know, it, it reminds me, you know, he's he's he, he's he's great at this, uh, uh, you know, radio silence. Um, you know, a lot of big things happen out of the blue. You know, uh, the Hayward trade for one, uh, and there have been plenty of others. So it's kind of been unusual that the Cardinals have been, invo- you know, involved in all of these rumors. Um, but it's a strange market, and it's and uh, as you pointed out, it's shifting. Um, you know, if if Scherzer does indeed sign with the Nationals, and I think I read somewhere that seven years was mentioned, but I don't know. I, I saw the word seven years on Twitter, so take that for what you will. Um, you know, if Scherzer goes there, then you know they might put uh, you know Zimmerman's going to be on the market uh, possibly, and that was re- reported even earlier before they were involved in Scherzer, uh, at least publicly. Uh, and then I, I also read that they might, if they didn't get the package they were looking for for Zimmerman, they would consider taking offers on Steven Strasburg, who has uh, two years of arbitration remaining. Um, so the, the market will change there. But as you pointed out, I think uh, Detroit, if they're not going to get Scherzer uh, back, then it's very hard to imagine them letting go of David Price. So yeah, things are changing. Um, I think that John Mozeliak is not aggressive, um, but I don't think he's conservative either. He's, he's kind of uh, opportunistic. And when there's things changing like this, uh, sometimes opportunistic folks can find deals and other times they can't. Uh, I, I don't I don't think anything's going to happen big. Um, but I still wouldn't rule it out despite uh, despite what they said at the winter warm-up and despite uh, some dominoes possibly falling if Scherzer does sign with the Nationals. Uh, And I'm seeing I have Twitter up now on my computer, Aaron, and Jerry Krasnick of ESPN had tweeted about 10 minutes ago uh, for what, in quote, for what it's worth, the Cardinals have not been involved in a Max Scherzer pursuit. Washington scribes now saying it's the Nats. So all all of the speculation, um, you know, have not been involved seems to indicate that they um, you know, they, they did what they do and you, um, you know, you do your due diligence, you know, if a Max Scherzer can be had at something that approaches a discount, you know, you want to be in on that. But if he's not going to be had at something approaching a discount, you probably don't want to be in on that. And, you know, right now, if I had to guess, he's probably going to get a six or seven year deal. And I cannot think of a of any pitcher uh, in all of baseball who I would want to sign for a six or seven year deal. I, the injury risk is just so high. Uh, let alone a six or seven year. Well, maybe if the you know maybe if the dollars were low enough. But um, when you're talking about getting into the two hundred million dollar range, uh, there's no pitcher I would want. And I. I just think there are a lot of of things to be concerned about uh, when it comes to Max Scherzer, uh, and and first and foremost is you know his reliance on the miles per hour of his fastball, right. and we know that miles per hour fall off the fastball as a player uh, ages, and Scherzer hasn't really seen much of a drop yet. He's still you know he hasn't thrown a heck of a lot of innings. Uh, as a professional. Um, But it still seems that there's an open question of how effective Scherzer will be once that mile, once those miles start to fall off of the radar gun readings on his fastball. And we've seen it, you know, most glaringly in my opinion, Aaron, with Justin Verlander here over the last couple years, he's lost a couple miles per hour off his fastball and it was not all that pretty 
uh, last year. Yeah, that's that, the Verlander's been quite quite a red uh, red flag, I think, for those looking to to spend a lot of money on Scherzer. From, from the beginning, I think he seemed like the least likely of the big four names out there uh, for the Cardinals. Just that's an awful lot of eggs in one basket, and it doesn't seem very uh, Moselacian um, to to do that. Um, I guess it was five because Lester was out there originally too. Um, but if yeah, if this ties up price, uh, then suddenly you're looking at Hamels and uh, um, Sh- uh, Shields, who doesn't seem to fit the profile well either. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I don't, I, I found it interesting. I saw that too, that, uh, um, Ruben Amaro was, you know, willing to wait into the season to try to extract what he wanted. Uh, and you know, with pitchers, you know, as they saw with Cliff Lee, it's Hamill's value is not going to go up from here. I don't think it's possible a team, another team gets more desperate, but, Hamill's value is not going to go up and it can go down. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see uh, when Amaro <laughs> recognizes that or if he does. Yeah, it will. And, uh, you know, I've written a couple posts on Hamill's. Joe wrote uh, an interesting pitch effects analysis uh, that was published on Viva Alberto's today of Hamill's. And that was supposed to run Friday. Um, but Joe had a, a bit of the flu to deal with. Um, uh, the the Hamels pursuit, I think, is complicated by the fact, and Amaro has reportedly been, you know, seeking a lot of return on the veteran players he has available. I don't think he's really gotten it. I just I don't think he views talent the same way as most of baseball, uh, as evidenced by their payroll um, and the contracts that they've signed players to. Um, but you brought up Cliff Lee, and you know, how his value has just been torpedoed uh, by that injury. Um, and you look at what they're reportedly seeking, which is two top talents and then some more. And, you know, I take top talents to be, you know, top prospects. And I just, you want, you know, when I'm thinking about it out loud, like if you're talking to Amaro, I can just kind of picture Mosaic being like, you want us to give you Piscotti and Reyes for the obligation to pay Cole Hamels $100 million over the f- next four years. And it's really – it's a little bit less than 100 Um But I just – I don't see it. I don't understand it. And um, I would be really surprised if the Phillies get what they're asking for, what they're reportedly asking for. Uh, in return for Hamels. But that being said, I would much rather pay Hamels uh, 90-some million dollars over the next four years and potentially over 100 uh, if a vesting option kicks in or the club decides to exercise a club option. Um, it, it's going to be over $110 million in, in though 110 or $114 million, um, depending on which route that potentially could take. But um, I think I would rather be doing that over over four or five years um, than paying Scherzer for six or seven. I, you know, that just seems that just seems really insane to me. And I'm frankly a little bit surprised that the Nationals are signing Scherzer uh, rather than perhaps trying to extend a Strasburg or extend a Zimmerman. Um, hopefully on something closer to what Adam Wainwright got as opposed to what Scherzer's seemingly going to get. So I, the market is just on these starters. It's really exploded. And I don't, you know, I, I don't have so much a problem with a high, uh, salary. Um, if, and the Cardinals have, have, uh, there's been some written about this, about how the Cardinals would go to a higher average annual salary if the contract were only four or five years for a pitcher. Um, but man, if you're getting 25 to $30 million over six or seven years, I mean, even five to me at that amount is crazy. Um, and I'm just, I am someone, I am pleased that the Cardinals are not in on Scherzer because I, that just seems like a really bad signing to me. And I could be proven completely wrong, but there's just so much that can go wrong. Um, and you're looking at a fastball 
dependent pitcher, and I just don't like it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It'll be. I, I'm not going to look forward to uh, the Cardinals playing against them uh, with the Nationals uh, the next couple of years for sure. But uh, I'm I'm glad the Cardinals are are not uh, going to be involved in this particular uh, this particular move. I, I you know I think I agree with you that Hamels with his contract and and his age is would be something that's uh, more palatable, and he's he's a good pitcher, uh, not not so uh, velocity dependent, but. Um, yeah, if Amaro is not uh, not a rational uh, co cohabitant of the stage, then that's that's been a problem before. I think with teams trying to make a trade with the Phillies, um, although they're, they're I think what they got for Rollins uh, seemed reasonable. So we'll see. Yeah, um, Zimmerman now or Strasburg would be interesting. Uh, so the other news is that the Brewers are on the cusp of trading Giovanni Gallardo um, for an unknown. Uh, unknown quantity from, from the Rangers. Um, and it'll be, I'll, I'll kind of miss the Cardinals playing Giovanni Gallardo. It always seemed they did ver- uh, very well against him. Um, but you pointed out when we were talking before uh, we started recording here that uh, Zimmerman is from Wisconsin. Yeah, there's, you know, the Brewers have a lot coming off of payroll and there's some speculation that maybe they're clearing Gallardo uh, to make an addition and then, oh, the Nationals happen to be signing Scherzer. Might they then turn around and trade Zimmerman uh, to the Brewers? I don't know who the Brewers would – what do the Brewers have to give the Nationals for Jordan Zimmerman? Uh, you know, <laughs> they, I, what do they – but in all honesty, what do they have that helps them win in 2015 more than Jordan Zimmerman. I don't see anything on the Brewers that they would be willing to trade away that helps the Nationals next year more than Jordan Zimmerman does. And quite frankly, Aaron, I don't see a heck of a lot in their farm system that is a better bet than um, a supplemental pick after Zimmerman leaves via free agency uh, after he has rejected the qualifying offer, you yeah, know, I, right. it, I just I don't see what Milwaukee's going to give him. No, I mean, you know, Jimmy Nelson's good, but they'll they'll need him with Gallardo gone. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, it doesn't make a lot of it doesn't make a lot of sense. Zimmerman would be someone I'd be interested in the Cardinals making a move for for the right price if there was something reasonable. Um, you know, if if a one year deal was of interest, as you know, but. We'll see. It's it, there's just there, there's a lot of question marks with the rotation, and I think the rotation is less deep now than it was a year ago when we all felt good about the depth of the rotation. And then, uh, you know, by May we were upset that Tyler Lyons was hurt. So it, <laughs> it'll be you know you can't make a big move because you lack because you're worried about your depth exactly because there's the talent there to pitch, um, and that's not even counting on Jaime, which who you can't count on, but he'd be nice. Um, so it's 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 a tricky situation for the Cardinals because um, you don't want to do nothing necessarily, but a big move doesn't necessarily give you a huge upgrade over what you might already have. You just don't know if you have it, I guess. And and that's the thing is they the rotation has more question marks. I feel this year right uh, than it did uh, entering last year. Although you know I have never been. Uh, a huge believer in Joe Kelly, and I felt he was a pretty big question mark uh, entering the year last year. Um, but, you know, when when you look at this rotation, there's a lot of upside there, but there's also downside. And, um, you know, we we don't know how Carlos Martinez will emerge from the Oscar Tavares tragedy. Um, and also you know, with more experience under his belt as a member of the rotation. Um, But you look behind him, uh, and this assumes that he'll win the fifth starter derby in spring training, and the Cardinals will not suffer another injury during spring training. You know, knock on wood, they won't. Um, But you look after him, Marco Gonzalez, Tyler Lyons, I mean, these are two pitchers who would probably already have a spot in the starting five. You know, I'm going to say on 16, if not more, Major League Baseball teams. Mm-hmm. I, you know, this this is depth. And then there's Cooney beyond that. Right. Um, 
And, you know, if you'd have told me entering 2014 that Gonzalez would make his major league debut before September, I'd have told you you were nuts. Um, but all that pitching depth and the Cardinals still suffered enough injuries um, to have to, you know, go deeper into their farm system than they wanted to go. And they had enough question marks uh, that they went out and acquired two veterans uh, to try and bolster that rotation. And I, I've written a few posts on the rotation, uh, you know, over the last couple weeks. And you know, the one I think I agree with the most was, why don't the Cardinals just wait and see what they need? <laughs> you know, there's nothing. They don't have to make a move right now. They have a handful of good pitchers that ought to be able to cover the innings, uh, at least for you know the first three or four months. And if they need to add an impact arm, you know they can revisit that Cole Hamels deal in July. Um, if they need maybe more of a back end innings eater, maybe someone like Bartolo Colon or someone is available. Yeah, uh, um, Derek Gould likes to retell. I think what John Mazalek once said to him is that, that you can you can always find pitching. Right, and you know, right now there's all these you know sexy neon light names, right? Like David Price. Wow. Like he's one of my favorite pitchers. You know what I mean? Right. Max Scherzer, holy cow. Uh, Cole Hamels, I've long enjoyed watching him pitch as well. You know, those are very flashy names. It, they're name brand names, you know? Uh, hashtag brand, right, Aaron? Um, <laughs> but the Cardinals may not need that type of pitcher, uh, depending on how the central breaks out or breaks down as the season goes uh, along and depending on how the rotation comes together, they may not need anything uh, in terms of a starting pitcher. And so why not wait? You know, Carlos Martinez has tremendous upside. Why not give him a chance to blossom? He may not blossom, but man, if he does, who are you going to find on the trade market who's better than him? He has to have that opportunity, regardless. And, and waiting uh, to see what is needed would assure that he uh, gets that opportunity. And, and I, you know, what were the other? There's some other things coming. Uh, Michael Waka had a, had the clean MRI. Yes, um, which is very good news. So yeah. it was clean. Uh, you'll recall he had one after he gave up the season-ending home run. Uh, when he was inexplicably <laughs> brought into the game, but we, um, let's not revisit that. Uh, but he had an MRI uh, right after that, and uh, John Mosellock remarked that the doctors were surprised by how good it looked. And I was kind of like, this is like good and bad. <laughs> like the doctors expected his shoulder to once again be damaged. Right. And then they're like, oh, it isn't. Yay. So that's positive, right? But it's also like, oh, this condition is such that it's not going away. Um, it's always going to be there, um, whether or not it's manifesting itself at at the present moment or not. Um, and he's been reportedly not doing over the shoulder uh, exercises, but he's been working on uh, strengthening his upper body in a way the reports seem to s indicate that it might be similar to what Brandon McCarthy did. Uh, and he was able to reach the 200 inning threshold last year after going through similar injuries uh, to Waka. So good, good news on the Waka front. Um, also good news, uh, it sounds like, on the Jaime Garcia front. You brought him up earlier. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's been pretty well established the Cardinals aren't counting on Jaime Garcia. And why would they uh, with everything he's had happen to his shoulder area? Um, but uh, from, from what we saw coming out of the winter warm-up, it sounds like he's in pretty good shape after thoracic uh, outlet release surgery um, and his rotator cuff uh, and labrum surgery uh, the year before that. So, you know, uh, they, they might have a little bit more depth than we thought they would uh, come opening day. You can't count on him, but you never know. I mean, if you look at Chris Carpenter's, you know, career and what he went through at various times um, – 
you know, shoulder early, um, you know, his, and just injury after injury early on that so much so that, you know, he was, he was released by the Blue Jays, correct? Is that, I don't think that was a trade acquisition. That was a free agent acquisition. Do you remember? Uh, I think it was a free agent acquisition. You know, so you see that and, you know, I, I, there's kind of rumors of grumblings from the, uh, you know, that the Cardinals front office weren't, you know, wasn't happy with how Jaime went about uh, the decision-making on, on surgery um, and, uh, and not telling people how he was feeling or something, but you know, all that's great. But when it comes down to it, if he's there in spring training and painting like he can, uh, nobody's going to care about the front office's opinion of, of his, you know, decision-making with the surgery. It's, He's, he can, he, he looked good last year, um, until he got hurt. Um, so that, that would be interesting, you know, he, watching him in spring training. He has, you know, by and large, Aaron, when he's been on the mound, you know, two years ago yeah. in 2013, before he got hurt, he looked good. Um, you know, it was, he had a few bad starts in 2012, uh, after he tore his labrum and rotator cuff. <laughs> which, <laughs> Apparently which you need that, not, yeah. <laughs> Which let's not forget that the Cardinals were kind of bad mouthing him at that point in time. Like we don't know what's wrong with him, and da 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 da. And it's like, oh, his labrum and rotator cuff are torn, and we have <laughs> to have invasive surgery to fix them. Like <laughs> my bad, Jaime. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. what? Like what, uh, you know? And then they, you know, Mosellock used very strong language because he, you know, Garcia talked with Chris Carpenter, went down. Uh, talked to Chris Carpenter's doctor for the thoracic outlet release syndrome and decided, you know what, I'm going to do this. And then he told the media before he told the team. And I can understand Mosaic being angry about that. Um, but there have there has been some disagreement between the Cardinals and Jaime Garcia throughout uh, the last few years regarding what he needs to be doing and how healthy he is. And, you know... There's a part of me that doesn't blame him for going out and talking to a doctor and making a decision without the team's input because it's his body and it's his shoulder, it's his arm, it's his you know nervous system, um, you know not theirs. And they, you know, if we look at the arc of his health, you know, I don't, I don't think there's much there that generates a positive review from the Cardinals point of view or you know what what the training staff and medical professionals there were doing i mean the guy wound up having you know they went the conservative route which is perfectly understandable but he wound up having major invasive surgery so um you know it makes me wonder if the current regime were the regime way back when when the Cardinals signed carpenter and remember they signed him for 2003 he didn't pitch at all right after he underwent a, a similar procedure to Jaime Garcia, and then they brought him back for 04. Then he has nerve tingling and is unable to pitch in the postseason. You know, and he had nerve problems and Tommy John and all that, and then it eventually manifested itself in a career-ending uh, fashion. But you know, let's not forget Jaime Garcia has had the procedures that Chris Carpenter had on his shoulder, um, and he has had them. You know what? What would it have been like within an eighteen-month time frame? Labrum in the thoracic outlet. Yeah, just about. Yeah. So. So uh, you know, that is a very good reason not to be counting on him. But if but if he's looking good and feeling good, I mean, he might be. We may have uh, misconstrued the spring training competition to an extent, Aaron. It might be Carlos Martinez and Jaime Garcia as opposed to uh, Carlos Martinez and Marco Gonzalez. Yeah, that's right. Um, it would be it would be interesting. And, and the fact of the matter is if Jaime is right and he happens to be, you know, for as long as he is right, he's he's there's just no question he's one of the, the Cardinals five best starters. Um, he's, he's that good of a pitcher. Um, and uh, but that would be I mean, you know, what would they do with Car- what would Carlos? I mean, that bullpen would be something else, I guess, but, uh, that would be, that would be tough. That would be a, that would be a tough competition. And I, I'd, I'd be rooting very hard for both of them somehow. Yeah. You, you know, at this point, you know, it's so fun. Like to me, Jaime Garcia is one of the most fun pitchers when he's healthy yeah. 
and when he's dealing. He's one of the most fun pitchers to watch. Unfortunately, you know, with that delivery, you know, I have taken or whenever I write about Jaime Garcia, you know, we have our photo gallery that we can select pictures from. And I just go through and I just find the ones that are the most awkward (laughs) when, when he's pitching to just be like, you know, like you watch him pitch and you know, he's not going to be able to do this very long because the human, the joints of the human body don't move in this way. Um, you know, they aren't designed to do this thousands of times year after year. Um, but you sure, it sure would be nice to be able to see him pitch the way that Jaime Garcia pitched, you know, like in 2011. Yeah. Again. And, uh, maybe we'll get a chance to see that. I mean, I'm not going to hold my breath, but it's a possibility. And, you know, it could be that these reports about Garcia, maybe that, lowered the cardinal sense of urgency just a tad maybe just a just ever so little sure <laughs> yeah yeah it, these uh you know every pitcher is a question mark but some are a lot more of question marks than others and he's he's a big one um we'll see yeah but you know before this Jaime news i was kind of wondering about well you know what if they wanted to go you know just add another another kind of bullet to the chamber uh you know i, I was interested in brandon beachy who i've always liked but uh there's only so many, so many pitchers you can have on the, you know, you could have, have injured at a, at a given time. I think there's probably some rule about that. So if, you know, if Jaime were, if there's just no hope that he was going to pitch, um, it might make sense to add another question mark, but I mean, I don't know. I don't think so. If, if Jaime, Jaime is the question mark, they don't need, they don't need Beachy to be another one, I guess. Although he, he and Medlin, I think are two guys that I, I think will probably make good on, on short contracts, but we'll see. I, I hope you're right. I liked watching both of those guys pitch. I hope they're able to come back uh, and be healthy and successful. Um, someone else I hope who is able to come back and be healthy and successful is Adam Wainwright. He did a question and answer with the media on Saturday at the winter warmup. Uh, and he gave a little bit of insight uh, into his elbow problems. Um, and yes, it's the same elbow, the one that had UCL replacement surgery, the one that had cartilage shaved off the back of it uh, in October of this year. Uh, he indicated, Aaron, and I don't know if you saw the footage of this interview, uh, he indicated that that he was unable to open jars of food, you know, like, or I'm just going to say jelly. He was unable to open jelly and jam jars. Uh, His wife had to do that. Um, There was also, he shared an anecdote, a story of uh, him being unable to open a can of Sprite because he couldn't hold it. And uh, apparently with it, he could not hold it with his right hand and open it with his left, I guess. Right. Um, and he also indicated that when pitching, you know, he didn't know there were good days and bad days. He didn't know what he was going to have. And he said he was throwing a lot more cutters and a lot more curveballs because his arm was able to move from right to left with the break, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other pitches with the follow through, I believe he used the term pronation. He was unable to pronate. Uh, that was too painful for him and he was coming up short. Um, so presumably that would be on like a sinker and a four seamer. Um, this is all the flexor, the flexor in his forearm and where it attached to the elbow. Who knows, Aaron, they don't have to tell us those types. (laughs) They don't, they don't tell us much. Um, but those were the anecdotes he shared and I kind of raised an eyebrow. Um, because it just sounds awfully worrisome to me. Um, and I'm not sure. I've sent some inquiries out to some of my friends in the medical field, uh, basically saying, this is the procedure he had performed. Would you please listen to him describe his symptoms? <laughs> <laughs> and then tell me how horrified I should be. So hopefully they just email me back and are like, Ben, relax. Uh, you don't have anything to worry about. I haven't heard anything yet, but uh, the interview filled me with enough concern uh, to email people who I know who, uh, you know, work in the medical field uh, on these types of injuries and rehabbing these types of injuries for a living. 
So, uh, but he seems optimistic. He says he started throwing uh, at the same point this off season as he did last off season, um, and that he's good to go. So we'll see where that leads. But um, you know, there is a part of me, Aaron, that wonders if the positive, you know, the best shape of his life, right? Like that's the joke about spring training, and I feel like winter warm up is, you know, the best shape of his winter or whatever of his off season life. You know, I feel like every year everyone's just like, yeah, I feel great. I've done, you know, X, Y, and Z. I'm ready to go. Um, I've never, uh, or I don't remember anyway, someone coming into winter warm up and being like, oh yes, it's awful. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know how I will be able to make it through the season. Yeah. So we'll have to see, uh, you know, as they say, the proof is in the pudding. Maybe we could say the proof is in the pitching. So we'll see how they look, uh, and, feel come spring um but it looks like and sounds like uh the opportunism that the cardinals said they were going to approach january with uh hasn't really manifested itself in any acquisitions yet and we may very well aaron have uh the full pitching staff uh, that we're going to have come february uh, actually in 31 days right pitchers and catchers report so we're about four weeks out that's uh that's uh, music to my ears. One member of the rotation who, uh, allowing for health, will be a member of the rotation for the next three years is Lance Lynn. He signed a three-year guaranteed contract with the Cardinals this week. Um, it's worth $22 million with incentives based on games started. Uh, it could be worth as much as $23.5 million dollars. Uh, did not buy out any free agent years. This is just a guaranteed three-year deal that covers the entire arc of Lance Lynn's salary arbitration eligibility. What do you think of the contract, Aaron? Uh, you know, it's one of those things. I didn't go dancing in the streets uh, singing its praises, but I'm, I'm glad of it. Um, it. It protects the Cardinals a little bit financially um, in case Lynn, uh, not that it would this would be a good problem to have, but in case Lynn just, you know, um, continues the the improvement i think in command especially that we saw last year and becomes a true uh, ace because he can make he can make you know 25 or 30 million dollars in that in that window i think those are figures you used in your analysis um and it, it gives the cardinals some cost certain cost certainty which is um important looking forward with you know the jason hayward extension possible on the horizon and 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 you know, being in play for another big picture at some point down the road, um, the cost certainty is nice. And I think it's good for Lance Lynn because, you know, he's, uh, now set, uh, $22 million is a lot of money. Um, and, uh, it's unfortunate that the Cardinals, uh, couldn't, uh, you know, get a year of free agency, but I, I don't blame Lynn for not wanting to give that, assuming that that's how it went down. Um, and it'll also be good for Lance Lynn that he won't need to worry about this anymore. Uh, you know, he won't need to go into off every off season wondering how much money he's going to make. It's just, he wants to go throw as well as he can for three years and, and then, uh, and then go from there. So I think, I think it's a, a, you know, very reasonable deal for both parties. Yeah. I thought it was uh, pretty understandable. Um, one of the things that, you know, I try to do is I try to kind of create visuals for folks who come to Viva Alberto so they can get an idea of kind of what type of financial obligations the Cardinals have uh, over the years to come. And we know the Cardinals do three and five year, uh, budgeting. Um, and, uh, some folks asked questions about super two eligibility, and I've never really been in the habit of projecting super two eligibility. And the reason that I don't do that. And I shared that in a post is Lance Lynn, because I would have told you that I believed, uh, Lance Lynn would have been a super two arbitration eligible player last off season. And for folks who are not familiar with the way the salary regime is set up under the collective bargaining agreement between the union and Major League Baseball, uh, a player accrues Major League service time. Um, and for the until the offseason, after he reaches six years of Major League service time, um, he is under club control. The first three years, he makes the league minimum. The next three years, uh, he is arbitration eligible. Um, the players who have the most, uh, the, the top 22% uh, 
of players uh, in MLB service time who have between two and three years of salary arbitration uh, become what are called Super 2 players. And that means that they are eligible for uh, salary arbitration and a raise well in excess of the league minimum. Uh, They get salary arbitration uh, for four years instead of three. And I would have guessed that Lynn was going to be one of those four-year players, but he just missed that cutoff. And so the Cardinals – this concerned the Cardinals because he has uh, a very full resume. He's thrown a lot of innings. He has uh, had good results. And Major League Baseball Trade Rumors has a system that projects uh, salary arbitration salaries for players. And they projected that Lynn would shatter the record for first-year arbitration-eligible salary, which was set by Dontrell Willis – I guess nine years ago now, eight, nine years ago. Um, and you know, if you make all that money in the first year salary arbitration and you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to make a lot of money in the second year too. And if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to make a lot of money in the third year. And so my estimation of 25 to 30 million was just kind of ballparking it based in part on David price who just made super two cut off. Um, but was a comp that was used by MLBTR when discussing how Lynn could potentially set new arbitration records. And so I, I understand the move from the Cardinals' perspective. Um, you know, the give and take of a, a few to several million dollars, uh, basically that cuts off what Lynn can make, but it also puts the entirety of the injury risk on the Cardinals. He's going to make $22 million over the next three years regardless. Um, you know, They did a similar deal with Jason Mott, and they paid a handsome price for 25 innings. <laughs> you know, And so you have to recognize that possibility, but I think it's a pretty fair deal. Um, and one of the things that I find really interesting, and I, I might do a post on it, although I'm going to spoil it for our podcast listeners. Um, it, and I don't – if you have – the Cardinals arbitration or excuse me, the Cardinals salary outlay in front of you, Aaron, I don't want you to cheat and look at it. I want you uh, just sitting here today. I would like for you uh, to give me a guess of how many uh, Cardinals are under contract um, longer than Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn's deal pays him seven million dollars this year, seven point five million in twenty sixteen, and seven point five million in twenty seventeen. He then becomes a free agent. <laughs> oh man, um, very few. Um, that's part of the reason why I thought the Cardinals could get a big pitcher and and extend Hayward. Uh, I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. So beyond three years from now. And we're talking guaranteed. We aren't talking about players who are arbitration eligible or league minimum players because they're, you know, they're very probably not going to go anywhere. I'm talking about players who are guaranteed major league salaries past 2017. I'm going to guess three. You would be high. Oh, is, 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 so I, I was thinking Matt Carpenter, Molina, and Wainwright. Does one of them end in 2017? Molina or Wainwright? Molina. Yeah. So two. Wainwright, Wainwright makes $19.5 million in 2018, then his contract ends. Okay. Matt Carpenter. So Matt Carpenter is, and Wainwright are it, and Wainwright is only under contract for one year longer uh, than uh, what Lynn's current deal uh, goes through. Peralta becomes a free agent after 2017. Yadier Molina becomes a free agent after 2017. Matt Holliday's contract ends after 2016, but there's a there's an option for 2017. Um, Carpenter is under contract uh, through 2019 with a club option for 2020. Uh, Jordan Walden has an option for 2017, and Aledmus Diaz is under contract under contract through 2017. He won't become a free agent, though. I don't think. I think he'll become salary arbitration eligible. So I guess we could count him. But you know, like. I viewed this, the Cardinals, uh, Moselock conceded that they discussed a longer deal, uh, but apparently it was a little too rich for the Cardinals' taste at this point in time. Um, 
And I viewed this kind of as almost like a good faith move um, where they sign Lynn to this guaranteed three-year deal. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if the Cardinals sign Lynn to an extension, perhaps if he remains healthy before 2017. Um, but we'll see what happens. I, I, it's a fine deal. You know, it's just really interesting to me when you look at what their obligations are um, and how all of these core players, you know, this Lynn deal basically covers, you know, the winning window for the current core group of Cardinals. Is 2017 when the Fox Sports uh, contract is up as well? Yes, I believe it is. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's all coming to a head. Maybe that's why they didn't do it because they yeah. wanted to see how that uh, that deal goes out. Yeah. Um. But I, uh, you know, I thought that was a fine deal and uh, kind of interesting to see the way that they have structured, um, you know, their salaries going forward because we know they have three and five year plans and that five year salary plan. You know, I'm not sure who all's in that. Let's put Jason Hayward in it. Yes. That would be absolutely wonderful, and that's a wonderful segue because Jason Hayward talked extension. He made his St. – I'm going to say he made a St. Louis debut. Is that fair? He yeah, hasn't absolutely. Done, he hasn't done media interviews. Uh, he, has, he has been in St. Louis, I believe, um, but he hasn't really interacted with fans or members of the St. Louis media. Uh, he did so on Saturday, and uh, – you know, I was quite amused. Um, Jim Hayes from Fox Sports Midwest snapped a picture of Hayward from the side, kind of in profile. And I remember last year someone did that of Peralta, and he was sitting down on a stool, and it was really unflattering. And everyone was like, oh, my gosh, we have a fat shortstop. <laughs> Jason Hayward's um, a fit man. J Jason Hayward is a very fit man. Um, and... Uh, he's also seems like a very nice guy and is pretty charming. And he indicated uh, there was no deadline for extension talks between he and the Cardinals, and he was open to such discussions. And I know that you are a gambling man, Aaron <laughs> Finkel. Uh, how, how does this make you feel um, about the wager uh, that you made with our SBN Milwaukee Brewers sister site, Brew crew ball. Yeah, so I, I bet them that uh, that uh, Jason Hayward would sign an extension uh, with the Cardinals uh, by opening day of 2015. And I, 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 I at this point, I expect to uh, uh, lose that bet and pay $20 to the Brewers charity, which I will happily do. Um, but uh, I, I still feel good about the odds that, the, that Jason Hayward will be a St. Louis Cardinal beyond 2015. Um, it's no sure thing. It's interesting that Hayward, you know, used the language he did. You, you can't read too much into the stuff, but it certainly was not a cagey answer. It was not an answer of a man who was, you know, all set to, you know, go to free agency, come hell or high water. Um, you know, it was interesting. I, I didn't, uh, I didn't watch the watch it live. I, I missed it, but then I, I watched highlights later. But uh, I was, I, I glanced at Twitter when it was on. I'd forgotten it was on at that at that moment, and uh, the uh, tweets coming out of the Cardinals' uh, Twitter sphere, Twitter sphere were uh, universally charmed by Jason Hayward. People who knew they were going to like him were like, "Oh my gosh, I like him so much!" You know, even more than they expected. Um, so he was, he, he had the charm, the charm working, uh, and use you use that word as well. Um, so maybe he was just trying to be a little extra charming. Um, you know, everybody likes to be liked, but those were, those were interesting words that he chose, um, you know, coming out and saying, yeah, I, 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 I'll, I'm happy to talk extension during the season. If everybody's enjoying themselves, it was good to hear. Um, I, yeah, I, I like him, you know, I don't follow many athletes on Twitter. Um, it tends to kind of depress me. It's either really boring, <laughs> like, it's either really boring stuff or it's just like way too much. You, you know what I mean? Like I like you cause you play baseball. Right. I don't really care about your daily goings on, <laughs> but most of them are getting you know, pretty young too now, which is depressing. Right. Right. Uh, my experience with it is largely through, uh, Heather's, uh, collection of tweets. Um, you know, twice a week, whatever she shares, that's my window into athletes on Twitter. Um, but the Hayward stuff, 
I, you know, I started to like him there, and now I like him even more. Like, I want him to be a cardinal. And if it costs $200 million, so be it. Um, and his beard is amazing. <laughs> Not that that has anything to do with anything, but he, <laughs> very strong beard game. Uh, you know, Craig Edwards, uh, one of our editors, has a strong beard game as well, but I'm sorry, Craig. Uh, Jason Hayward, it like that's like 80 grade beard man like it is amazing um and i i'm really kind of hopeful i'm hopeful he's going to be around here uh for a while like that thought makes me i i really like the sound of that i really like the idea of that um you know and i know he's he's a very well-rounded player i just feel he's kind of like a kind of a callback of sorts um, to, you know, he hits for a little more power, but he has such a good all-around game, Aaron. I feel like he's almost kind of a callback to the whitey ball era. Sure. You know, where you're going to run the bases, you're going to play great defense, you're also going to hit. But, um, you know, and I'm not saying he's going to steal, you know, 50 bases. Um, But what I mean is he plays every facet of the game well. Um, and I think that he is the type of player that Cardinals fans are really going to like. You know, he's like a Scott Rowland or a Jim Edmonds where he does – or a young in his prime Albert Pujols where, you know, now that that's other level. But, you know, he does everything well um, and is a joy to watch in the field. And uh, I think he – he could win the hearts of quite a few Cardinals fans uh, in the year to come. Yeah, there, there's something to be said for the kind of uh, you know subtle pleasures of watching you know Matt Carpenter you know dig in against a pitcher or Johnny Peralta's you know um, uh, you know getting everything he, right that he can get right in the field and and um, you know of course Yadi um, is, is is well Yadi's Yadi's more about kind of about what I'm about to say. It's gonna be a lot of fun watching Hayward and also Colton Wong who have such plainly self-evident uh baseball skills that are just gonna you know they're 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 fast and and quick and uh, i think can do flashy things which is it's it's gonna be a lot of fun i i'm very much looking forward to it like i think this year's going to be uh another fun and interesting year for cardinals baseball i just i really you know i am excited it's amazing how like the new signings the level of excitement you can have. And I, I don't think I'm, I'm going to regret this cause you're going to tell me someone who, um, you know, I was more excited about, but I don't think I have been this, this excited about seeing a player as a Cardinal. Uh, when the Cardinals traded for Scott Rowland in 2002, I was in Paris <laughs> <laughs> and I gave, the concierge at our hotel, 20 euros. And I, I wrote Scott Rowland and St. Louis Cardinals on a piece of paper. And I said, it, it, when I want the USA Todays that have this. <laughs> <laughs> and that concierge, that French concierge, was so excited, was so proud, actually, uh, when – the trade was final. You know, he brought me the USA Today when the trade was finalized. And uh, he was so proud. And I I was very happy to be in Paris. Don't get me wrong. But I wanted to get home <laughs> so that I could see Scott Rowland as a Cardinal. And I haven't been uh, – I haven't looked forward to seeing a player's Cardinal debut uh, this much, I don't think. Um, well, Oscar Tavares probably, but in terms of someone from another organization, you know what I mean? Like yeah. who we have brought in, uh, probably since Roland. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I have no stories to top that, uh, or compete with it. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, you and I talked that morning, uh, um, you know, we, we spoke when we, when we found out about the, the Hayward, Hayward trade and it was, it was, it it's still it's still sometimes I wake up and I'm like Jason Hayward's a Cardinal, 
It's, I know. You know yeah. It's, <laughs> like, you know, I mean, Lance Berkman and Carlos Beltran, there were some similar levels there. You know, the difference was that they weren't 25, you know? Um, right, right. And so... If, we, uh, if we'd have yeah. gotten 25-year-old Lance Berkman or 25-year-old Carlos Beltran, yeah. oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I was super excited when they signed but you know when they signed berkman there was kind of this bet you know he was yeah. coming off the knee injury it was kind right of field bet. i was like what are they th-? yeah yeah um and so i was a little like you know like i was a little worried like i didn't want this to go badly because i really liked lance berkman right and with beltron you know he had the knee issues too yeah. and there was kind of a question is he going to be able to be healthy enough to play and you know you you gradually got beyond that, but, and I was super excited to see both of them make their Cardinals debuts. Don't get me wrong, but there was kind of this, Oh man, like I'm worried about them, you know, kind of putting a bad taste in my mouth about not a bad taste. That's the wrong way to put it, but you know what I mean? Maybe taking a little bit of luster off of their uh, wonderful careers by having, you know, like, Tino Martinez in it. I mean, they wouldn't be that unprofessional and kind of rude, <laughs> but, um, and kind of mopey, but you know, I, I, it was kind of this, there was just a little bit of nervousness there. And I don't really feel that with Hayward. Cause he, as you say, he's young, he's in the prime of his career. Uh, and so I'm super excited to see what he can do for the Cardinals. I'm, really you know i like shelby miller um but i'm and and tyrell jenkins but i'm really happy that jason hayward is now a cardinal um you know looking at uh the twitter feed here it appears as if one of our uh, viva alberto's readers took a jar of mayo (laughs) <laughs> and had Matt Adams sign it. I saw, yes. It was, a, <laughs> it was an unctuous move there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and there's dialogue provided. I'm assuming this is a quote. Mm-hmm. Me, you like it? Question mark. Matt Adams, no, not really. It's a mayonnaise bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Adams, Michael, look at this, which I'm assuming is Michael Waka. Right. Um, so that's amazing. Yeah. And then there was the picture of the, of the signed mayonnaise bottle. Yes. He signed it. Yeah. God bless him. How do you, how do you keep that fresh? Do you freeze it? Do you empty out the mayonnaise and keep the jar? I mean, what do you do with that? Man, that's a, well, if it's never opened, oh, if the yeah. seal's never broken, that's true. I mean, I wouldn't eat it, <laughs> but it's not gonna, like it would go bad but it like you wouldn't be able to eat it but i don't think would it spoil i guess it would probably eventually spoil wouldn't it you know i, I would think a brand of you know if it's not if it's like regular old like you know grocery store mayonnaise and not some like you know not like a it's version. if craft yeah I, I suspect it will outlive us all yes that's kind of that is <laughs> seeing seeing the craft label yeah uh, that that was kind of my conclusion. Yeah, that that jar of mayonnaise will be here long after humans are 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 extinct, and it will have Matt Adams' signature. An alien will find it, and you know, wonder who Matt Adams was. That's my prediction. <laughs> I, I'm willing to put twenty dollars on it uh, to any other blog, you know, towards charity that that will happen. They can they can ex- expect payment sometime down the road. <laughs> I I just I'm amazed that someone actually did this. <laughs> I mean, it's a fairly vocal segment of the Twitter sphere. Don't get me wrong, but it, you know, taking it to him directly to him at the winter warm up is a whole other level. So uh, I appreciate that. It's amazing. Um. Well, if if my look at the clock is right, Aaron, um, I think we're about. Uh, ready to wrap this thing up. Is there any other uh, goings on at the winter warm up that you wanted to cover uh, here tonight while we're talking? No, I don't think so. I think I'm, you know, I'm, it, it's, it's always fun when you get to this point where, you know, there's these, I, I'm glad that there's some action today. You know, the, uh, the, 
the the Scherzer Scherzer moving and uh, movement on that on that front, and then uh, and then the Gallardo trade. So it's good that there's there's actual baseball things happening today to talk about. Um, but yeah, with the, as far as the winter warm up goes, I think I think the big you know Hayward uh, and uh, Mosaic. Uh, you know, their words were, were good. And, and then, and then the, the mayonnaise, that was, that was the big key of the, of the weekend. Yes. The Matt Adams signing a jar of mayo. Yeah. Um, Viva Alberto's readers and podcast listeners. I almost feel like maybe we should just do this from now on. <laughs> maybe we can have a bunch of people have them sign jars of mayonnaise. <laughs> um, it's quite amazing. And uh, it warms my heart uh, that, uh, that happened. Um, something that actually I'm actually I'm a little bit relieved about, and we we talked about Scherzer, uh, but I just want to say I'm kind of glad that I don't have to deal with Max Scherzer rumors anymore. Uh-huh. Like like the Scherzer to the Cardinals rumor mill is going to be burnt to the ground by the Washington Nationals and Scott Boris, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, Good riddance. Yes, like it, it, it's, it was just this zombie rumor that wouldn't die, and it wasn't even really a rumor. It was almost just more speculation. Yeah, there was never um, any heat on that. You know, there was – with Lester and, 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 and Hamels, there, there seemed to be some little – there's at least – there were rumors of talks, but Scherzer was just nothing. Why were people talking about it, I, I wondered, you know? Right. He's from like, St. Louis, you know? Great. There was, there was a give and take, you know, admittedly perhaps a little bit limited. Um, but there was like give and take, like what will it take to make this happen? And it sure doesn't sound like the Cardinals ever got to that point with Scherzer. No. So, yeah. one other tidbit, uh, you know, uh, I, I really liked uh, what uh, Matt Belisle uh, said. Um, did you did you see his interview? Um, I haven't been able to watch his yet. He was just I, he was super he was super pleased about. He seemed genuine. You know, he said things in ways that where it didn't sound canned where uh, when he saw that the, the Cardinals were after him, he was, you know, jumping for joy, practically, he, you know, coming to a, a, uh, the organization. Um, and everybody says that, but the way he said it seemed particularly earnest to me. And uh, you know, it makes me think, you know, the things like you mentioned, the goodwill with Lynn of getting this done. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, when we talk about, you know, uh, things like, well, players want to come play for the Cardinals or whatever. I, I always kind of look at it askance and try to remain agnostic. But, you know, every once in a while you do get these these little glances and, and where it appears to be the case. I hope uh, – so I, I feel good about, you know, maybe maybe it's irrational, but I do feel pretty good about the chances that Jason Hayward is going to like it. Um, and then also with Belial, it just reminded me, you know, the, the Cardinals went out and got uh, Belial and Walden. And, you know, they're going to have – it looks to be a good bullpen again. Um, and I think it's easy – you know, on the analytic side, I think relievers, mostly because they're small sample sizes, you know, and, you know, the, the large year to year variation, I think, you know, there's a lot of, you know, right in some ways talk about how, how the relievers uh, can be overvalued, you know, severely, especially on the free agent market. But having a good bullpen is, is a valuable thing. And, and, you know, a good reliever is not, you know, some fungible asset, Um and I, I think it's uh, worth reminding, you know, looking at uh, Matt Belisle, I think the Cardinals did a good job with that this offseason. Yeah, that's a move that I like um, and I think could be could be one of the steals of the offseason overall um, as the season plays out. You know, probably not as great as Pat Neshek, but yeah, that's a high if you bar. look at, yeah, you know, and Belisle... I, I don't see the strikeout potential with him that Nishik had, um, but uh, you know he just he doesn't walk guys. He's going from that hitter friendly park to Bush Stadium uh, for his home games, you know. And I think those are two strong uh, reasons uh, to be optimistic about that signing. And at three and a half million, if my memory serves me correctly, three and a half or three point seven five, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, it, it is a very good signing and it sounds like, you know, he, uh, is very happy to be wearing the birds on the bat. And so, you know, hopefully he takes the bull by the, the bull by the horns, you know? Yep. Yeah. It was three and a half. Okay. So at, and that's like nothing. Um, I still think we're, I, I'm still hopeful that we're going to see like a non-roster, a minor league deal with a non-roster invitation, 
to a relief pitcher or two. Yeah, the Ardsma um, or was it Rich Hill a couple years ago? Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they kind of. I, I, yeah, I think there's going to be something like that. So we'll see what the Cardinals do uh, here as the shelves begin to empty. Uh, you know, we're 31 days, almost basically a month until pitchers and catchers report. And uh, with the balmy weather that uh, warms my heart let's say, to the point of balminess as well. <laughs> and uh, I want to thank you, as always, for joining me, Aaron. We haven't had you on uh, for a while here. So uh, it's always a treat, always nice to talk to you. And uh, we'll see how the rest of the hot stove plays out. And uh, we should be back uh, next Sunday or early Monday morning uh, with episode 16 of the Villa Alberto's podcast. If you have any questions, um, I think we're going to do a few more questions on that podcast. Uh, we had a few that were asked for this one, including one from my cousin Peter, Aaron, uh, <laughs> that we did not uh, get to just because we had all these other developments to talk about. Uh, but if you would like us to discuss uh, a subject matter, you have a question specifically that you want answered, uh, feel free to give me an email. Uh, my email is veb, as in vivaelbertos.com. B-G-H, as in Ben G. Humphrey, at gmail.com. Uh, send me an email. I think next week uh, we're going to do uh, quite a few uh, reader emails. So uh, if you have one that you would like discussed on the air, uh, feel free to, to send it my way. Uh, thanks for listening, and I hope that your January is going well as we count down to pitchers and catchers reporting. Go Cardinals!